Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Oh yeah, welcome to The Basements. Thank you for everybody watching live on YouTube, everybody listening, everybody for joining. Here's a promise, I'm gonna start the show for the second day in a row with a very unlikely central figure to the discussion. Very unlikely, I like it a lot though. We're gonna have Josh Allen on today. He's coming on just a little bit. We gotta talk about, first and foremost, did he watch and enjoy the movie Heat? that we assigned to him last week on this very show. He'd never seen it before. Said he's going to watch it on his trip to L.A. We have to get his review. We have to assign him a new movie for next week as part of the Josh Allen Film Festival. Also, the most unbelievable streak continued last night in the world of film and television. A show is just being robbed. Speaking of heat, they're being robbed by guys with hockey masks and machine guns. They're having their armored truck run into by a semi, and I'm not here for it. All kinds of things. You know how we start the show with the free throw. Come on now, go to the sky cam. I'm gonna stay hot, off the wall. Come on, baby, yeah! The purest one I've had yet, say it with me. Bang! That's how you start the show, and then you do what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. All right, I said I was going to start the show with something unlikely. Uh, yesterday, I started with the New York Giants coming off a win. Who knew? I don't know if I would talk Giants for the entire season down here in the basement. How do you top that? How do you say, y'all ain't seen nothing yet? I start the show today with what I love. I don't know if this word's ever come out of my mouth, but they should. I love, I love Geno Smith. Yeah, it feels good to say. Hi, I'm Kyle, and I love Geno Smith. Hi, Kyle. Do you love him too? Geno Smith um, took the almost Pope-like revisiting from Russell Wilson, who drives around in the Pope mobile so people can see him and be inspired and wave at him. And Geno Smith's like, screw him. You know how long I've been waiting for this turn? Russell Wilson's waited, what, six months to come back to Seattle? Three months, four months, and we're supposed to all just bow down and have him have his night? Geno Smith was the better quarterback for most of the night on the better team. Geno Smith, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. We live in an era of Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and Rodgers, and I'm talking Geno, and I love it. My second favorite Geno next to Steven Seagal and Out for Justice, and he took a huge jump last night over Geno's East Pizzeria in Chicago. I just respect it. I've met Geno a few times. I don't know. You have, probably have a strong opinion of him. Maybe it's a negative opinion. Unbelievably cool guy to talk to. Gracious, um, modest. Looks you in the eye, it's really respectful, and you are to him. Just a good guy to talk to. I really mean that. In the media, on camera, off camera. Let's just think about the life, all right? Geno Smith lights it up. I remember he was in college, and he was having these crazy highlights, putting up these amazing numbers, and it was back when LeBron would start tweeting about non-NBA things and everyone lose their mind, because it was years ago, 2012 season, I think, 10 years ago. It's like, oh, my God, LeBron's tweeting about Geno Smith. Who is this Geno Smith guy? He's got a cool name. He's putting up these amazing numbers. So then he comes to the draft, and everyone's just, like, kneecapping him, just kneecapping him. He's not professional. He's not paying attention in the interviews. And maybe they were right. I don't know. But the, the, the word was out on Geno Smith. Then you get to the draft night, and I think Geno Smith suffered the biggest indignation that any kid going into the draft can have, and that is when you show up for the draft and you're there, and you got your new suit, and you're so ready, and you're so excited, and you got your family there, and you go, and it was in New York City, and you're there for the first round, and you don't have your name called. Geno Smith did not have his name called. He was there, he was in the green room. You know, Aaron Rodgers, all these people we talk about all the time. He never got his name called. Can you imagine leaving the venue, leaving the green room, leaving Radio City, wherever it was that year, 
going out and getting in a cab, or maybe you got a town car or something with your family, you're just going home. You go back to the hotel, I guess, and then you take your suit off that you never took the stage in, you don't have a second suit, nobody wanted me. That's why I always kind of cringe when people go to the draft these days, because unless you are a lock, unless you're an Aiden Hutchinson, you better be drafted in the first. Then he finally goes to the Jets, all right, and he, his, his, Sanchez is there, and it's weird, and people are already against him and rooting for him. And let's just fast forward to the time that he was this Jets starting quarterback and got punched in the face and had his jaw broken by a teammate over a $600 debt, apparently. I.K. Enampali. Haven't heard the last of him. That's the end of Geno Smith. It's never happening. You're never coming back. You're out of the league. You're an embarrassment. You're one of the busts. You sit down years later on some special about greatest draft bust and on and on. No, screw that. He was in 2022 beating Russell Wilson in the house that Russ built. Think about that. And playing awesome right out of the gate. Fired up, passionate. I know he's not the fantasy guy. And I know maybe if I have a show in 2022 and I'm talking to the square right here, you don't talk about Geno Smith. Start with the Cowboys. Start with the Cowboys. Screw the Cowboys. I like Geno Smith. I think it's a cool story. It's a reason to watch sports. He was great. Deep, short, medium, everywhere, playing for Pete Carroll. And it's just like, Russ, suck it and get out of my house. It's my house now. They're chanting Gino, Gino every single time he makes a pass. It was just sort of an MVP chant for Gino Smith. This is going to be this kind of season, guys. It's weird. It's already weird after one week. It's not just what we thought. There's some things you can count on that we can go with. But I love Geno Smith. I hope Seattle wins that division. Screw it. Everybody just said they're dog crap. Drew Locke and Geno Smith, they're dog crap. They're done. It's a rebuilding year. Pete Carroll is one of the top five to eight coaches in the entire NFL. The oldest coach in the NFL is jumping around like a lunatic last night. They beat the crap out of Denver in times that it mattered at the goal line. They were tougher. They were better. They were bigger. And for most of the game, they had a better quarterback. Granted, Pete Carroll didn't take Geno Smith off the field at the most crucial moment and take the ball out of his hands like the Broncos did. Maybe we'll get to that. But Geno Smith... I don't care how it sounds. I don't give a damn what it does on social media. I love Geno Smith. I thought he was awesome last night. That's why we call it what I love. Well, let's get to what I hate. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. I got fired up about Geno Smith. My God, are you listening? Are you hearing that? You're like, easy, Brant. It's Geno Smith. <laughs> I understand. It's Geno Smith. I just was talking about him because, like, my child uh, graduating from college or something. I don't know. You like your guys, and uh, you stick up for them. I guess I'm more annoyed about the people who are about, ah, Geno Smith, he sucks. He doesn't suck. You suck. No, you don't. Thanks for watching. Uh, what I hate, though, I hate this. So, uh, heed these words. Week one in the NFL is a liar. It is so full of crap. It is a pathological liar. Anything you want to take away from week one... Most likely, the needles are jumping. This is Greg Fokker hooked up with De Niro in the room. It's so full of crap. What I mean by that is, I've studied this for years. I've done this a long time on TV. Week one, it is, hey, look up here, look up here, look up here. Bam! Uppercut you didn't even see coming. You can go a million examples, and I'll go with them for you. Last year, at this exact time, think about this. This is Tuesday after the week one games in 2021. The Green Bay Packers suck. Aaron Rodgers is washed up. He's uh, finally read too much of his press. They're not going to do anything. The Jameis Winston Saints, not this year's, last year's, are going to run away with the NFC South. The Titans are absolutely terrible. They suck. They got destroyed in week one last year. And I don't mean this year because they missed a field goal. I'm talking about uh, they got absolutely destroyed by Chandler Jones and the Arizona Cardinals. They're, then they come back and they're the one seed in the AFC. Go back 20 years. The most famous one ever, Patriots-Bills week one, 
The Patriots just had to get part ways with, with Lawyer Malloy, their beloved safety, who they won the Super Bowl with. He's on the Bills now. They play in week one. Tom Brady gets a crap kicked out of him. Sam Adams, a 700-pound defensive tackle, has a pick six in the game. And you're like, oh, the Patriots thing is done. The Bills are going all the way. We know how that ended. Just, just take it easy a little bit. A, with saying teams suck and they're done. And B, saying this team really hasn't. Let me tell you what I mean. I hate it when this happens because everyone's so eager to open the presents on opening day and then they're so eager to give their takes that they just forget and they lose sight of the context. It's like someone saying that the Bengals are going to be terrible this year or I don't know, spending six minutes starting their show hyping Geno Smith as Seattle Seahawks. Who would do that? No one that I know. But here's what I mean. Um, I don't know if the Dolphins are going to go to the Super Bowl or the AFC title game. They looked good against the Patriots. Same token. Are you you're already jumping on the Patriots? God, is that so naive? So naive. I, I'm not doing it. Tell me when the Patriots are 0-3, and then we'll talk about it. Um, the AFC North is really good. The Bengals are the perfect example. Joe Burrow is a chucker, guys. Get to know Joe Burrow. He's got a little bit of Favre in him, and he's just going to keep throwing it. He threw interception on three straight plays last year. Last year against the Chicago Bears, a game the Bengals lost. I said it again, three straight plays they ended up in the Super Bowl. Don't jump ship on Joe Burrow. Did you see Jamar Chase? He had 10 catches, like, sleepwalking. He could do whatever he wants. The Titans, same thing. Their stupid kicker missed a field goal. We've covered that on this show. They're not terrible at all. And then it's the same thing also, like, people are already on the Giants. I live in Giants country here, all right? I live in the kind of place where, like, dads drive around their Jeep Wranglers and the, the tire cover on the back has an NY New York Giants logo. And, like, they're like, we're back. We're back. Saquon looked like Bo Jackson. Yes, I've talked about that. Daniel Jones threw a terrible end zone interception. I'm not there yet on the Duke boy. I'm just not. I'm excited about them too. But you see the coronation that is going on. See my point? Week one will look you right in the eyes and lie. It is a great liar. It doesn't blink. It doesn't touch its nose. It doesn't look, what are the, the other ones? Up to the right when you lie, you look away or, or you say something. It's, it's, it's all the pantomimes as they taught us in True Romance. Just be very careful. Uh, the, the Packers don't suck. Cowboys probably do suck, but their quarterback is hurt. Remember this. When we do a thing this week, we're going to write down some takes and remember them a couple months from now. We're going to see how they age. Send us your thoughts. We'll, we'll call it out properly on social. But in the meantime, the Warrior and I, we want you to know, don't listen to week one. It is so full of crap. Stop doing it. Week two? Week two now it will come correct. Week, week two is, uh, what is it? Johnny Appleseed, Can I Tell a Lie? Is that who that is, or was it George Washington? I'm not remember what it was. Um, but week one's full of crap, that's it, and I hate that people are still buying it. So always after I talk about what I hate for three minutes, we have to do something funny. So what's hilarious? Give it to us. Russell Wilson's hilarious. It's, it's just that, it's that simple. Uh, completely unintentionally hilarious. But how did you feel last night on Monday night just about the opening night on Broadway for Russell Wilson? Because I, it does feel like theater, and he is such a peacock, and he is, he is so aware of where the cameras are. We talked about this on yesterday's show. The thing where he comes out and, and high-fives no one is there, he comes back to Seattle, and, and I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm trying to try and choose my words carefully because I respect Russ as an athlete and a human being. He seems like a good person. He's just the biggest poser of all time. He just, he is. I have a hard time identifying with Russell Wilson, and you might say, "Well, he's a superstar quarterback, and you're not." That's not what I mean. There are some athletes who are so well liked because they are relatable in some sort of way. All right, 
Josh Allen is the son of a farmer who didn't have college offers and was overlooked in college. That, that's, that's a relatable thing. Baker Mayfield is undersized and didn't have scholarships or offers himself and gets really mad. That's relatable. Even Aaron Rodgers, who is a totally different thing, is relatable to a lot of people out there because there's certain things that he tires of in whether it be political correctness or just mass popular opinions. There's something there. I, I don't see anything I can relate to whatsoever in Russell Wilson. It, there just seems to be almost no authenticity. Everything's perfect. Everything looks great. Um, Everything's going great. His life is perfect. His appearance is perfect. Everything's all so happy. There's never any negativity. There's ne I, I just, look, maybe he's plugged into something different than I'm in, and maybe that is relatable for some people. Not for me. When he comes out, and he comes back to Seattle, and he knows it's about him, and he knows where all the cameras are, and this guy runs to the middle of the field, and he closes his eyes and holds his hands out and turns around with his eyes closed as he's surrounded by a photographer. He did like two or three laps and it's almost like, did you get it? Did you get it yet? Do I look cool? Do I look cool? All right, yeah, okay, I'll do one more lap for you. Just, come on. I'll tell you what I'm reminded of. Years ago, and a decision that my parents still wish I had not made, I joined the cast of MTV's The Real World. You might remember the program, you might even remember the season. And I was such an insecure douche. It was, what he did with the cameras and all that, and this is my moment and I'm so glorious, that it felt like something that I would have done on that show because you're 21 and you're totally insecure and you've never been on TV before. And so you did things that were, I don't know, pretentious or fake because you felt like, I don't know, I'm on TV, what should I do? It brought me back to that. The seven strangers picked to live in a house. Like they, Russ should have gone in the confessional booth with Anissa and Tanya at halftime and talked about what happened in the jacuzzi. I know I did. It's just so inauthentic. So I, I, instead of getting mad about it, I try to find it hilarious because it really is. The outfit is, is hilarious. Hilarious. Bring it up. My guy, Jimmy Traina uh, from SI. I mean, come on. Come on, Russ. In, in, in the, the toothpaste tuxedo next to Dorothy back in the A's. Thank you for being a friend. I mean, that it, it is absolutely perfect. The answer to the question is Dorothy because she got the same size shoulder pads that Russ probably wore on the field against the Seahawks. And then here's the problem. You wear that outfit and like, God, how long did he think about that? And like, how cool did he think it was? And then the problem is you lose at the end of the game and you have to go back on with your bow tie and your, your Listerine tuxedo. It's just so much. It's, it's so much. There's, there's one other player in the league, who I probably shouldn't name, who cares that much what you think about him and that much what his appearance goes out to the people and is that calculated in every picture and every social media post and every media appearance that he does. I'm not going to say what his name is, but he plays defense in the league and has a brother who plays the same position. Uh, but anyway, Russell Wilson, quickly... Quickly, it's not hilarious. What happened to Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach for the Denver Broncos, is awful. And when I say what happened, I mean what he did to himself. That was a terribly, terribly managed game. And I know it's hours ago and we're on to the next news. Let me just say my piece here. This is why being a head coach is hard. This is why people aren't cut out for it. This is why some guys never get the job. And this is why some guys get to the job and get, cho get chewed out, spit out, chewed up, spit out. Um, Perfect candidate, work with Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, long 20-year history, he was working his way up, and then you get there, oh my God, it's really loud here, and we're coming down the field, and the people don't like us, and there's Pete Carroll across the field, and we're losing right now, we need to win this game, and, and your heartbeat starts to go. 
and he has a terrible use of timeouts, and he decides to kick inexplicably. Inexplicably a 64-yard field goal. And here's the problem that really kills me, and then we'll move on. You bring the kicker out there, McManus, who was a great kicker, but this is not Denver. This is at normal elevation, all that kicking stuff we don't need to get into. You kick it. Carol ices you, right? You miss the kick, which I feel like was the football gods, kind of in like a rookie of the year type way, coming in saying, Coach Hackett, we love you. You're really well liked. You got a great energy. We're just going to do this for you to show he's not going to make the blipping kick, dummy. He's not going to make it. He didn't make the, 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 the ice kick, and yet he, he just ran right through that stop sign. Coach Hackett said, kick it again. At no point was someone like, Coach, let's put Russ in. And no point was Russ say, Coach, let me get in. He did it again. And you know what? If Pete Carroll had iced him a second time, if he could have done that, and McManus missed it a second time, Hackett's sending him out there for a third. I don't give a damn what I have to do. We are going to lose this game on the leg of our kicker from 12 city blocks away from the upright. It's terrible. It, it was like he got in his, in, his, in, in his head in a hole and he couldn't get it out. He, this is what I'm going to do. No timeouts. I'm going to kick. And that's why it's hard to be a head coach. It's not going to stick with him like for the near future. And maybe he'll win a lot of games and maybe he'll win a Super Bowl to Denver. But that this game, that loss is a tattoo on him. That, that will never go away. Whether he becomes a Hall of Fame coach, they'll still remember his first game he chose to kick instead of giving it to Russell Wilson. And if he does wash out after two years, after three years, it doesn't matter. This game will come up. When the Denver Post writes the obituary for uh, Nate Hackett's coaching tenure in Denver, it will start in the first paragraph with the first game when he decided to kick a 64-yarder twice. I hope he gets over it. Lots of like with that guy. Used to teach a hip-hop class. I like him. I root for him. That one's a tattoo. That's not hilarious. But his quarterback doing this is. And that's how we move on. You know what else is hilarious? This is really important. Uh, it's, sometimes it's important if you're a family man or you're a family woman to confess your sins. And you make them all the time. I make them. You make them. Something stupid you do around your wife or husband. Something irresponsible. Maybe even shameful you do around your kids. I have a story, a recent anecdote from the last couple weeks in which... My eight-year-old got his hands on an alcoholic beverage and was pounding it. And it's my fault. And I have to purge that, that sin that I made. And I would like you to do it with me. Here's what you want to do. Call up, tell us the story. Keep it brief, keep us tight. Tell us what you would like to confess about something you have done in your family, a shortcoming as a spouse or a parent. You're going to call 252, the number four in Brant's. Call 252, the number four, and then Brant. You're going to hear my voice. It's an outgoing message, just like this crinkly old uh, answering machine with an actual cassette tape. And just leave us a concise little story about something that you are ashamed of as a spouse or parent or son or nephew or anything. It's family confessional. We want to hear your stories. I want to help because God knows I've got a lot of them. Call us. In the meantime, um, you want to know what else is hilarious? I mentioned it, family confessionals. But uh, more importantly, it's Tuesday. Here he comes. The future MVP of the NFL 2022. Let's find out. Let's talk to our guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And there he is, by order, the Peaky Blinders, the QB1 for the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Josh? Just hanging out, man. Thanks for having me back on. That intro, man, it just gets me pumped. I don't know what it is about it, but it uh, gets the juice. It's cool, flowing. right? It's retro, and we did the Nintendo thing, and we did the Peaky Blinders thing. I'm just tossing you shrimp like at Benihana. I know what you like. Welcome. <laughs> I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch it every single time, too. Never miss. <laughs> every time. Don't whiff, or you'll just embarrass yourself in front of the whole table. Um, Josh, speaking of Peaky Blinders, you turned me on to that show a long time ago. From my perspective, not your words, mine, in the fourth quarter, you guys went up against the Rams, and you took off the hats with the razor, and you just started swinging it. After the whole offseason of wanting to play a game and expectations this, expectations that, how did it feel great to go and get a win, a win by a few touchdowns? I mean, it was probably one of the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely was a great feeling. Um, our defense bowed up for us in that first half. You know, we had three turnovers uh, to go into halftime, ten ten, essentially zero zero. We were we were pumped because we knew we didn't play the way we were supposed to play on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. But we came out in that second half, and again, our guys played hard. We made some plays, um, and it was a complete team victory. Vaughn looked crazy. He looked crazy. Like, he looked like he was a rookie on the Broncos. You shared with us last week that he's got this whole thing going with you guys where he wants every week to be a track on an album. What was the week one track, and what are we looking forward to for week two? Tell us about it. Yeah, that was, that was the intro track. And usually people skip the intro right. track, but we, met, we wanted to make it a, a good one where people don't skip. So it's still, that's called the intro. I, I haven't asked him for track number two of what the name is or what it's going to be. Uh, but I guess we'll find out Monday night. You know what? Because the intro track kind of sets it up and sets the foundation, and that's great. But you know when track two hits, like, it has to be a banger, turn it way the hell up. It's Monday night. It's the Titans. What's your early impression of the game? How, how are you looking at it? And how do you feel about playing Monday nights in general? Yeah, Monday night, again, we know uh, what it is. It's another primetime game, um, you know, and we're playing a, against a really solid opponent that we've We've played the last four years. You know, we're two and two in the last four years against them. They're, they're going to be very, you know, ticked off about how last week went. They're um, a much better team than I think that they played, um, you know, than they played on uh, Sunday. So they're going to come out. They're going to go try to prove themselves right. So we got to be ready for whatever punch that they throw at us. Um, you know, we got to have a good week of practice and put our best foot forward. Titans, if they were a college program, would be one of these great programs that just has nine, ten wins every single year. They're just one of those programs that matter. They're always good. And look, sometimes in week one, you run into that feisty Brian Dayball and, and you lose. And I know you know all about that, Josh. In the meantime, listen, speaking of feisty, uh, this morning on the NFL Network's Good Morning Football program, you won the Angry Run segment. You won it for your stiff arm against the Rams. This is the fourth time you have won the segment. You'll be getting a scepter in the mail tomorrow. That's got to be big for you. <laughs> huge, huge. I think that's going to go up right back here somewhere. I'll hang it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll turn my tip the cap to you. Appreciate that. That's my man. number four. How many? Who's the, the all-time leader? I'm glad you asked. Okay, you now have four. It puts you second all time. Derrick Henry has five. And Derrick Henry's a running back. He's about okay. 290 pounds, and he was chiseled by God. You're a quarterback, so one more, and you will tie the, the King Henry for the all-timer. And I want to get into what goes into this, Josh, because I know you love to run, and you're this, this big old moose with the ball. Devin Singletary said something so fascinating, and this is part of the reason you want anger runs. 
He said that when you stiff arm the defensive back, right in front of the Rams sideline, by the way, he said you were laughing while you did it and after you did it. And sure enough, I zoomed in on your face. You got this giant smile on your face. What is so funny about running angry like that? I want to hear. Um, I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny those allegations. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I love football, man. I love playing the game, everything that, that, that there is about it. Um, there's one thing I do hate. It's losing. But, you know, going and being able to go and stick my uh, body on the line for my teammates on a third down, try to keep things moving. Um, that's really all I was trying to do. And again, I, that's how I've always played. Um, that's how I'll continue to play, you know, as long as uh, I'm allowed to. And, and again, I play this game one way and that's my way. And um, I have a lot of fun and enjoyment doing it. You know, all due respect to the defense and the opponent and everything, look, it's fun to be physical in football. It's fun to hit people hard. It's fun to run over people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I know it's all taboo now and the game is safer. But part of the reason you play football, it's really fun to push someone around on the field. Absolutely. That's, you know, we put pads on for a reason, so let's use them. Um, but again, you know, the best ability is availability. Got to be smarter and taking some of the hits. But uh, when, it's, when it's one-on-one with the DB, um, you know, just again, being smart, but you know, knowing uh, KYP, as we call it, know your personnel. Mm, okay. We also call it LOL, laugh out loud after you do it, but he's not <laughs> admitting or denying that. That's fine. Um, you know what else? You mentioned you hate losing, Josh. I happen to know something else you hate, and you hate punting. Uh, you absolutely hate it. The team put out this stat today. Everyone's losing their minds on the internet about this. The, they put out the stat that the Buffalo Bills have not punted a single time in three of your last four regular season games, and that has not happened since punts be, started being tracked in 1939. This is like, you know, pre-WW2 era. Had you heard that, and <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, again, um, we had three turnovers. So you can look at it that way, too, mm. and say we still didn't play, play good enough. Um, you know, sometimes the turnover's worse than a punt. And that's how I look at it. So if we can clean those up and, again, have no punts and no turnovers, I think that's when we're really excelling and doing our job. But, um, you know, that stat really doesn't mean a whole lot to me because of the turnovers. It's such a smart answer, because you're right. If you throw an interception or you fumble, it's actually worse than a punt, and everyone's ooing or eyeing about this stat. Listen to what Josh just said. He sees the games different. He says, no, it, it, that's great. Punt, three out of four games. That's some factoid. It's the interceptions that you're trying to cut down on, and I totally respect it. There's another guy I want to ask you about, Josh, before we wrap up. Everyone has always said so much intrigue about Jalen Ramsey and it's someone the Internet loves. And the fact is, you know, back in the day when you came in the league, he had said some things that were disparaging about you that I don't even want to get into. I think it was interesting as you play him, you go at him a few times, you weren't afraid of him at all, you completed a few, and then he comes out and says on his podcast... Josh Allen's growth has been crazy. He's got all the intangibles, got the size, got the big arm. Like, he's one of those projects that turned out he's the real deal. As a guy who competes against him and knowing what he said when he came in the league and now that he's coming correct and maturing, like, what's it like to listen to that? Uh, it's, it's different, for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I play for the other 52 guys on my squad and I care about what they have to say about me. Um, you know, whether it's good or whether it's bad, uh, that it is what it is, you know, I can only focus on being the best quarterback, best teammate that I can be for the Bills. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. What did you see on that play that you hit Stefan and the big touchdown? It opened up so fast. It was wide open. What'd you see? 
Yeah, um, obviously quarters uh, to that side of the field. Um, you know, we had seen a couple of things on our tablet before before that drive, and I just kind of told Diggs, I was like, hey, just just go. I'll take care of it. And um, I knew we had an opportunity if I started my eyes to the other side. And, you know, I started my eyes to the other side, and it was just really just, all right, I'm looking now at the D-line. Like, how can I extend this play and give him a chance? So that's what I did. He ran his tail off, and he, he made an unbelievable catch. I don't think people understand. And how hard that catch is running full speed this way. It was t- a tight wobbler. Uh, didn't come off the hand super great. Um, but for him to stop on a dime, catch the ball, roll into the end zone, that's what makes Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, though. He's the man. And honestly, watching that game, or for someone yes. who's in the Bills Mafia, it was like the off-the-top rope, elbow smash, finish it, it's over, bring the belt. And it was like, good night, everybody. It's been great. It was so fun to watch. Josh, speaking of Bills fans, we did something. I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. We asked them, do you love the Bills and Josh, or do you hate the Bills? Either way, send us some questions. We call it Inbox Mafia. This is what they came with. The first one is from a Bills fan, and the second one is from a Bills, let's shall we, shall we say, critic. First one, this comes from uh, Tiff, T-I-F-F. You touched on this earlier, and Tiff, I, I got a soft spot for her. She says, is it necessary for you to run in the fourth quarter when you're up 20-plus points? Can you please stop from an anxiety-ridden Bills fan with PTSD? That's from Tiff. Go Bills. What's your reaction to that, Josh? Answer her question. Um, is it necessary? Absolutely not. It's not necessary. Um, but it's football, and, you know, things happen. Yeah. And uh, we were in a we were in a – you know, four minute drill where we're just, we're just trying to, you know, waste some clock and we called a play action. Um, there, Gabe Davis, uh, you know, got open late, but at that point I kind of pulled the ball. There's a DN right there and I was just trying to get some yards and we called a surrender situation where again, incompletion is, is way worse. Yeah, I'd rather take a sack there, keep the clock running. Um, but again, there was a crease. I did do a, a, a half hearted slide. And I got off the mm-hmm. sideline, Matt Barkley and uh, Case Keenum like, dude, can you slide for me? And I was like, go back and watch the tape. <laughs> I didn't really take a hit there. I still slide. I, I did a little jump forward slide. Um, I did get touched a little bit. But, again, those are the ones where, yeah. you know, I got down in time and I didn't take a big hit. Damn right. This guy knows what he's doing. This is not his rookie season. I said, though, we asked for people who are not a fan of the Bills as well. This is not a Bills infomercial show. Josh is open for anything. We, we talked to a national audience here. So we had a question from a Bills fan. And then we had one from a smartass who I don't think is a fan of you or your team. This is the tweet that came in uh, when we suggested what to ask Bill. He said, do a lightning round of questions and give him 13 seconds to answer. And even actually did a literal LOL at the end. Uh, Josh, you understand the reference here. You probably get a lot of 13 seconds BS uh, on the street or in your mentions. Uh, Your response to this fan who thought we should do a 13-second lightning round. Are we doing a 13-second lightning round? No. No. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> good. That was a good tweet. Good tweet. I don't know what, you know, why he thought he needed to tweet it, but good tweet. Yeah. I saw it. And Josh doesn't say this because he's a great teammate. Not 13 seconds got nothing to do with Josh, buddy. I don't, I don't know if you watch the game or watch the playoffs. We're going to address the 13 seconds, but the guy on my program right now was sitting on the bench for that. Let's move on, Josh, because I know we want to get into this. Um, last week, you and I competed against each other, and due respect, you did great against the Rams, but I beat you. Age-old questions is a segment we do where uh, I'm significantly older than Josh. You're born in 96. I was born in 79. 
Um, we're going to show some people who were famous kind of before you were born, but the people at home know. And then you're going to show some people who are super famous now, and whoever wants can identify them will compete. Last week I won, this week I won. Or this, this week I'll win again. Um, Josh, the first person yeah. I'm going to show you. Are you ready? Can you identify I'm this ready. person from the 1990s? Go ahead. Who is this Josh? Who do you got? Bring up the picture. Who is that? <laughs> do you know? Josh is um, He's looking. It's a long, is it an actress? female. It is not an actress. It is a wildly successful okay. recording artist. She is a female, obviously. She is Canadian. And uh, she had some really huge songs right in the like mid '90s, right around the time that you were being born. Do you have anything, any thought at all? Huge, huge act. Amy Winehouse. God, that is such a good guess, and that is not right. <laughs> I love that you guessed Amy Winehouse. I'm, I'm supporting you. I'm with you. Do you know songs like? Cause I got one hand in my pocket, or like, and I'm here to remind you. Alanis Morissette. Is that? Do you know her at all? No, You're so young. no chance in hell I would have gotten that one. I have never heard Damn that it, one. Really? All right, Alanis never. Morissette is Canadian, and she had a massive album in the 90s called Jagged Little Pill. It sold like 50 million copies or something, hit after hit. And her whole thing was like she had like a revenge song about someone who broke up with her. It's, you, you are born in 1996. It is such a, a, like a, an endorsement of your youth that you don't know Alanis Morissette. But you don't get the point, Josh. Now you get to return fire, though. Give Sorry. me somebody from your generation okay. who this old head won't be able to identify. <laughs> Let's see if you know this guy. All right, so I think, I th crap, I'm trying not to swear. I'm not supposed to swear on Omaha. We don't have to, we have to class this place up for Peyton. Um, I think it's something from Fortnite, but I don't, all right, I'm just going to take a guess. It's a guy, a blonde-haired, handsome gentleman. He looks kind of like Kristoff from Frozen, but it's not him because he has a machine gun. Is that, um, is that Duke Nukem? Is that, <laughs> I don't know. So in, in the Fortnite world, and, the, and everybody knows this, yeah. This is called a default, a default skin. This means you're a new player to the game. You have no skins. You're probably really bad at it. Yeah. So this is the default character on Fortnite. So you're close, but I'm not going to give you that point. I can't give you that one. No, it's not Duke Nukem. I don't have squat. All right, we are, we are still tied like we're the Texans and the Colts, but you get one more chance. to. I've, <laughs> last week you did pretty well. Do you know that person? Do you know who that is? All right, see, red tape. Yeah, it's another female, brunette female from the uh, 90s. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at this. Any thought? Looks I, like she's dressed really nicely. Kind of professional, right? It, it In a looks regal like, setting. Uh, it, it looks like almost like a um, commencement ceremony. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like a presidential commencement ceremony. You are on the right track. This person does have a, a certain avenue in the world of politics and was globally famous. I'm going to say it was made in 94, maybe? Maybe 94? Infamous, think, maybe, okay. is more the word than I famous. Think, I think I know this. Monica what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah! yeah! <laughs> yes. You got it! All right, what yes. clicked? That is Monica Lewinsky. What okay. clicked? I saw, I saw the, uh, obviously, the, the dress-up. It looks like some, something to do with the yes. president. I couldn't, I kind yeah. of crossed off wives of any presidents. Um, Definitely not that. Yeah. No. 
Yeah. Wow. John, that was like your yeah. that was your twenty eight to three comeback. Like you were just down twenty five points. There's no way you're gonna win the Super Bowl. And then you just started rifling off touchdowns and you have a one nothing lead. Give me one more. Give me one more, because we gotta get to your heat review. What do you got, Josh? What's the next one? I gotta try to tie it. Oh, what the hell is this? Oh wait. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking at some animated characters, and this is so perfect coming from a farmer like you. Um, I think those are the guys from, I'm just, I think these are the guys from Veggie Stories. Is that right? Oh, you're close. I'm going to give what, it to what you. What do you mean I'm close? Tales. Veggie Tales. Oh, it's Veggie Tales. Veggie I didn't get it right. Stories. That's half a point at best. No. Uh, Veggie Tales. Okay. All right, Josh Veggie just tales. won. Imagine Josh were doing a segment in which Monica, Monica Lewinsky beat the Veggie Tales. Welcome to the basement. Oh, it's beautiful. You got the win. You beat the Rams, you beat me, next up the Titans. Uh, Josh, but before you go, last week we had talked about we're going to do the Josh Allen yep. Film Festival. You had a long flight to L.A., and we realized there's a lot of popular movies, again, from my generation that you haven't seen yet. So we talked to you about Heat with Pacino and De Niro. Did you see it, and what do you think? Yes, I watched Heat. I really liked it. It reminded me like a, a West Coast, the town. Like it was a very similar plot. Ooh. Uh, the town with Ben Affleck and uh, Jeremy, Ren- yeah. Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought they were very similar plots. I was like the, the main protagonist falls in love with the girl that he's not supposed to fall in love with. They're going to leave town. His buddy ends up dying. Like, in the, like there was a lot of similarities. So I don't know if there's anything yep. taken from the, from heat into the town, but uh, really enjoyed it. Robert De Niro. I was surprised at the ending. I really was. I thought he was going to, uh-huh. uh, no spoilers, but I thought he was going to escape. Um, but I will tell you this. I also watched Whiplash and that last scene, maybe the greatest scene in cinematic history. Like that was unbelievable when he's (laughs) so good. I mean, he's going on the drums and he mouths F you to JK Simmons. Like it was unbelievable. And he, then he goes up to him. He's just, give me more, give me more. Like that was the coolest ending to a movie I think I've ever seen. I know. It was Teller. You saw him and you're like, well, he's a superstar for the next 50 years. We're going to be watching him in 100 movies. Obviously, Simmons won the Oscar. It's so good. And I heard that's what Ken Dorsey does when he's running your offense. He goes, faster! Faster! Like, that's his inspiration. That's the deal. Um, Josh, before we get you out of here, we were going to prescribe a movie for you going into this week. And we were going to do Shawshank, but we're going to pin that. Because a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback who happens to keep the lights on at this show has an opinion about what movie you should watch. It's a very recognizable voice. Just listen to it. We asked Peyton. Josh hasn't seen these movies. What do you think? Take a listen to this. I did this to all of our rookies uh, one year. Uh We were in meetings, and I was saying phrases from these movies. I was saying, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. (laughs) He he wants these cans, and I'm hearing crickets, right? I'm getting... Nothing. No response. I said, look, here's your homework this week. Uh, I want you to watch. Let's go. Um, uh, vacation. The Jerk. Yep. Caddyshack. Stripes. Mm-hmm. I'd go with uh, Vacation mm-hmm. and Fletch to start for Josh Allen. Okay. Okay. You heard it from there. Um, I'm just going to jump in. I- I'm not a huge Fletch guy. It's kind of like a Lebowski of the 80s. I respect it. It's not my thing. For the sake of you and me, National Lampoon's Vacation Chevy Chase, 1983, very different from Heat. It's a comedy. It's the ultimate road trip vacation type thing. I'm sure you did that with your family growing up in your own way. Vacation. Can you watch it this week? On it. 
He's on it. He's on it. He's our guy every single week. Josh, congratulations on 1-0. Congratulations on uh, Monica Lewinsky beating VeggieTales. We will see you next week. We're rooting for you. You're our guy, and we'll send you a scepter tomorrow. No, sounds good. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. That's our guy. 17 for the Buffalo Bills each and every week. He'll be back next week. He's got his work cut out for him. Big, big game again, but we love him. We'll see him next time, maybe on his way uh, to a Super Bowl parade, an MVP. I don't know. Long time from now. We're going to do this for months. In the meantime, uh, I need to be made aware of every single headline. If I haven't seen it, we got a guy who's going to bring it to us. His name is Anthony Jimenez, and we call this Brant Awareness. Let's go. Hey, hey, there he is. The salt in the pepper in the beard. Um, we have his Pinewood Derby trophies behind him. He seems to have buttoned his shirt all the way up to the top. It's an aggressive look. It's Anthony Jimenez. How are you, my friend? Yeah, it's an aggressive look. It fits with my personality. So, like, if it's not all the way to the top, mm. I feel uncomfortable. Wow. All right. What do you got? Just be honest. All right. So, here we go. Uh, Kyle, yesterday uh show, you mentioned that Kirk Cousin probably drives a PT yeah. Cruiser when discussing his post-game outfit on Sunday. Well, the private investigators of the show found out that Kirk actually drives a soccer van. True story. Mm-hmm. But it isn't his first soccer van. Let me give you a little history lesson here. His first van was purchased from his grandmother for a mere $5,000, and it was totaled okay. in a car accident in November of 2021. Of course, mm. that meant that Kirk had to purchase a new van, which he currently drives. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Cousins' method of transportation? Not surprised. I, I, I thought I had heard rumors about the van. Um, I still would like to think that in his probably spacious garage, he's got a, a, a PT Cruiser somewhere. All right, so here we have. We got Gandalf the Grey on top, right? And then we got... <laughs> it's pretty much the same car that's a different color. I just want to say this again. I know this makes Kirk uncomfortable, and he probably won't like it. Kirk Cousins is making $40 million this year. Not four, not 14, the big one. $40 million. But again, he could be making $400 million, and this is what he's cool in. This is what he's comfortable in. I like the, the Lord of the Rings track that this went on. And we're looking at the pictures now. It could not be a more similar van. It's just that the first one lost the battle. I think it's to the Balrog when they were in the mines of Moria. And then it came back reborn and like better conditioning <coughs> the beard and the hair and maybe a little more powerful and Gandalf the white. I, I Listen, I know what the pictures say. I still believe in my heart that he has a PT Cruiser. It's very Michael Scott when he pulls up. One of my favorite moments from The Office, the show that the internet needs to start to learn about, is uh, when Michael Scott pulls up and he's just blasting the Lady Gaga and he pulls up in his PT Cruiser blasting the Lady Gaga and he says, it's Britney, bitches. I can picture Kirk doing that. If it's not a, it's, if it's not a, a PT Cruiser, it's a Chrysler Sebring, or maybe a Rav Four. But he likes this because he likes driving cross country with his family. He likes throwing the bikes in the back, camping equipment, lots of snacks, lots of healthy granola bars and flats of water, maybe some Crystal Light if he's feeling a little nuts that night. It doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, it's an affordable means of transportation. Keep in mind, I think this guy's going to win the MVP this year. This is not just this Ned Flanders guy that we laugh at. I think he is going to be at NFL Honors the night before the Super Bowl accepting the MVP trophy. I really do. 
Just sit back there and throw it to Jefferson every time. Occasionally one of the other guys. He's got the best young receiver going. That guy's going to drive that van all the way to the mountaintop. That's what's beautiful about it. You like that thing? I mean, everyone else, Anthony, we'd call it, oh, it's a party van. It's a shagging wagon. There's nothing like that going on. I think they got some scattergories in the back if they want to break out a, a board game. And I think he's got some Buzz Lightyear DVDs. That's about all that's in there. Are you into it? Oh, I'm definitely into it. I mean, it feels like Kirk Cousins is like the new version of like the most interesting man in the world. He just needs to lean into it. Like I need him like to drive that van, pick up his kids, go to soccer practice and just do mm-hmm. everything that a normal NFL player will not do. Lean in, have like a crew f- uh, film him, put it as docu-series. Yeah. I think it'd be incredible. It's crazy. He should do a reality show, but he never would. Like he, he just, he's, he doesn't like the attention. He's going to come on this show very soon. I, I can just promise. I've gone on Kirk's podcast before. He's gone on every show I've ever done. He's awesome like that. But there is a there is one of those nets uh, with like eight soccer balls in it, you know, that you throw over your shoulder like your soccer Santa Claus and you bring it out to practice. He's got cones back there. I, do they still have pennies? I think he's got pennies. There should be a Kirk Cousins reality show and it would probably be on... I don't know, TLC or maybe like a faith-based network that I don't watch typically, but that's what Kirk's into. And again, we can laugh. Ha, ha, ha. He drives a minivan. He goes to chain restaurants and pays with a gift card. MVP, MVP. I promise it's coming. What else is coming, Anthony? What else is in the headline? How do you follow that? All right, here we go. So the Cleveland Browns field has lacked a midfield logo for numerous years. Well, that's no longer the case. Say hello to Brownie the Elf, a fan-voted mm-hmm. design that will make his debut this upcoming Sunday against the New York Jets. Oof, Kyle, first impression of the new midfield logo for the Brownies. I like the way you asked, Anthony, because it is a matter of first impressions. First impression is you're like, what the hell is that Keebler elf and what is it doing on an NFL field? That is an elf that lives in a tree and makes cookies. And then we got the little, they have an actual mascot, some sweaty guy or girl in, in a suit running around it. First impression is Cleveland Browns, you're so lame. Why did you do this? You're just embarrassed yourself again. Is it wrong that Brownie the Elf is growing on me? <laughs> I've been staring at this thing for like an hour on its field. It was tweeted by Field Yates, ironically. And, and, and I'm starting to like it. And I'll tell you why. Because two reasons. One, I like that Cleveland doesn't give a damn what anybody else thinks about it. This was a fan-voted Browns thing. Do not think that they were in some conference room in the stadium and they said, this is what we should do, Brownie the Elf. The fans like this. The Browns fans like this. The rest of us who are not Clevelanders are like, this is so stupid. Again, the Keebler Elf thing. Although, I, 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 I got one tweet that's, that's when I was, they said, uh, shout out, though, to Fudge Stripes. Fudge Stripes were money. And if they are the fudge stripes of teams in the AFC North, I'll take it. You're going to be seeing this today, and you're going to think the Browns did a terrible thing, like they did when they had their new uniforms a few years back, and they literally said Cleveland on the front like they were a high school team. That was terrible. It's a fan-voted thing. This is the history. You know, brownies, you've seen it. If you've ever seen the movie Willow, Kevin Pollack plays a brownie in that Ron Howard movie. They're elf-like creatures. More importantly, 1940s, our Browns owner Arthur McBride chose brownie as the team's fan-submitted mascot. Again, it comes from their fans. Then Art Modell did the team, and in addition to a lot of terrible things he did to that team, in 1961, he thought Brownie was an embarrassment. He phased them out and he disappeared. Randy Lerner brings the team back in 1999, embraced the tradition of Brownie, and bought him back. But he wasn't mischievous anymore. He was kind of cuddly and cherubic, and it's not that fun. He's back. Brownie is back. And I'm telling you, I sat there and did the same thing you're doing. Brown sucks, so stupid. I kind of like it. 
because it's historic and it's fan sourced. What is the alternative? You go and you hire some graphic designer to churn out some disgusting, like, Instagram-friendly new logo and new branding. If you want that, just look at the Washington Commanders. Just They're right there for you. You can look at them all the time you want. I like that this is authentic, it's unapologetic, and it's original. I, this Maybe this is a hot take, and maybe everyone's going to say you're an idiot. Are you looking at that thing? That goes back to the 40s. That's pretty cool. I don't care. I like a lot of this old stuff with the bears. You know, the Bears they go way back, and I, I look at with the, the Cardinals and some of those original teams. I grew up with the Bears fans. The, 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 the Cardinals used to be in Chicago, and their uniforms were, they're called the Cardinal because their, their uniforms were red, like Cardinal red. I, anything with the roots like that. Brownie the Elf. Anthony, tell me I'm wrong. Like, have I not talked you into it? It's so, of course, it's stupid and childish, and everyone's supposed to be so mean and tough all the time. Are, are you sort of feeling Brownie or not? Shoot me straight. No, I am. I, I, I'm the same boat as you. Initially, when I first saw it, I was like, what Stupid. the hell is this? However, it kind of clicked in my head. It, it's like the NFL football version of Lucky for the Boston Celtics. And when okay. I start thinking okay. of it like that, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, Lucky doesn't look ridiculous, but when you put it against other NBA logos, it kind of does. But it has this nostalgic, iconic feel. I think this is what they're going for. I kind of like it. It's a little lucky, and it's a little uh, lucky charms as well, uh, the, in, which are magically delicious. And people are going to make fun of it. I guess they're going to debut it this week. Um, so I hope they win. I'm rooting for Jacoby Brissett. That guy's been through a lot of BS in the, in the, in the shadow of Watson and everything like that. And I don't want to get all heavy and everything, but I think it's cool that he came out and won. And until somebody tells me something new about it, I'm Team Brownie the Elf. I'm going to put myself out there, and I'm glad that you're with me. Bring us home. Anthony Jimenez, we're Team Brownie the Elf. We like all kinds of stuff going on in the headlines. Tell me what's next. Finish us off. All right, so finally, you teased it at the top of the show. Last night, but the 74th Primetime Emmys held in Los Angeles, California. I know you're a big fan of Better Call Saul, uh, but once again, the fantastic drama was shut out and took home zero awards. Uh, since the series inception, Better Call Saul was nominated 46 times and has yeah. never won a Primetime Emmy. How does that make you feel, Kyle? Uh, incredulous, speechless. I can't believe this isn't more talked about in every form of media. Understand, understand, it didn't win last night. Sucks, whatever. Did you hear what Anthony just said? That Better Call Saul, the show that is the follow-up to Breaking Bad, and it's Vince Gilligan, and it's Bob Odenkirk, and everything, has been nominated for 46 Emmys, and it's won Bubkiss. 0 for 46. I've never seen that kind of stat anywhere. You could bring up any sort of Ben Simmons perimeter shooting thing, Nathan Peterman passing, all the goats, whatever you want. I've never heard of 046. Are you mean to tell me that a show that good and that respected, and that doesn't have to win them all, I don't care. You can't just toss them one for, for best set design or whatever the hell the lower end categories are. You know, one for 46 would be incredible. And I'll just get right to the lead right now. Ray Seahorn lost again. Again, now, it, I'm going to have to spend too much time on this. She is an unbelievable character in the show, Kim Wexler. She is really the heart and soul of the show. If you only watch Breaking Bad, Kim Wexler is the Jesse Pinkman of Better Call Saul. She holds the thing together. She's the heart surrounded by terrible people, and she's supposed to have a soul and everything. And if, it, if you watch this, the, the last season, and you know what I'm talking about, the scene on the bus, you know already the emotional breakdown that Ray Seahorn has 
and just folding into tears and having years of, of conflict and subtext and death and murder that she's witnessed and terrible things she's done, just fold her. That, was, that whole scene is written, directed, and acted to be the Emmy-winning clip. That's it. That, it it's a wrap halfway through the scene. It's over. And I, I listen, the, uh, the winner was, uh, was what's her name? Uh, from, uh, from Ozark. Um, yeah, Julie Garner. All right, Ruth. I don't know bleep about bleep. Ruth's great. I understand. I love Ruth. She's already won a few times. She's already won two times. It's an outrage that Ray Seahorn did not win. I know I'm, I'm sitting here and t- t- talking about the, you know, the, the New York Giants and the, the Green Bay Packers and his Bears and Ravens and 49ers. I don't give a damn. I'm talking about Kim Wexler with her power ponytail and her power suit who puts up with years of Jimmy slash Saw slash everybody's crap. She has to go in through the black and white show and she doesn't deserve an Emmy. It's an outrage. And I don't throw that word around. It's an outrage. I cannot believe that they did that. And I have another take. We were talking about this before the show. Super producer with Transitions Glasses, Mike Flynn. He says that once you win an Emmy, a a TV acting Emmy, you should not be uh, eligible anymore as that character in that show. I love that take. Because you're playing the same character in the same world around the same people. It's not like a movie. It's not like when Hanks drops Philadelphia on you and then comes back and does Tom Hanks. It does Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump. It's the same character over and over. So listen, I love Julia Garner as much as the next person. She's excellent in that show. It's the same reason, you know, uh, uh, Michael Scott. I second mention of Michael Scott in the show. Never won an Oscar, Steve Carell, for The Office. Because he's losing to, you know, uh, Alec Baldwin for the 50th time, it feels like, for 30 Rock. We get it. You got the character. You're out. One win only is the acting Emmy. I don't care what it means. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you're excellent as Veep. We get it. You're excellent. You got it. You got it down, my friend. One win only and step aside. Cranston, one win only. Gandolfini, one win only. You want to win more? You go up to the big time, you do movies. Julia Garner, due respect, go win the Best uh, Actress Oscar. Because Ray Seahorn, wherever you are, you're going to be modest about this. You're going to be cool. I've followed your whole uh, publicity tour of the whole final season of Better Call Saul. You deserved it. The bus scene alone. You just slide that across the table, and then you just light a cigarette and pop the champagne because you won the Emmy. But you didn't, because the girl from Ozark did the same thing that she's done for the last five seasons. I'm over it. That's it. Uh, Anthony, anything you to add to that? Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to say I'm a giver. So for Giancarlo Esposito and Ray Sion, I have an Emmy. This is what those are behind me. I'm more than willing to give <laughs> one of my Emmys away because I'm sure that they have, they know the glory and the, what it feels like to actually win an Emmy. So if you guys could get me a contact, Kyle, you have any over there? Also, I'm more than happy to do that. But one thing I do want to say... It's a very magnanimous offer. Very magnanimous. <laughs> I remember when uh, Ving Rames won his award and he gave it to Jack Lemon and said, I will not accept this. Mr. Lemon come up and he handed it off to him. You are saying, Anthony, the problem is, is you have like 20 Emmys. I'm not exactly sure what. I don't know if you stole those or if I'm dealing with like the most decorated uh, segment producer of all time. But uh, the problem is, is that you have so many of them, but you're willing to give it up right now? Absolutely, I'm willing to give it up. I mean, I think okay. I won them fair and square, and I think I deserve to get them, but I'm more than happy to give a one. I didn't give one to my parents. I'll give one to the cast of Better Call Saul. That's how good the uh, the uh, Giancarlo shows. Esposito deserves one, too. And for Mandalorian. Anthony, you deserve another award if you had any more room on your shelf. This guy's got more trophies than I have socks, and he's, he's given us the headlines. That's why. I hope you get one for this, too. You deserve it. Anthony, you're out of here. You're the best. How about that guy? I mean... <laughs> Who is our next brand awareness guy? Daniel Day-Lewis? Hello, Kyle. I'm going to do this as Daniel Plainview. 
the Ravens have not reached a new contract with Lamar Jackson yet. I, I, it's the most decorated person ever. I Listen, I don't want to brag, but like, I won an Emmy, not a solo Emmy, but I won for Best Studio Show Daily. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I, Anthony is like Carlos Santana at the Grammys after that Supernatural album. He does the picture where he can't even hold all the Grammys that he won. You know, what's her name? Nora Jones, come away with me. I think she won 15 Emmys that night. That's Anthony Jimenez. <laughs> Anthony, you might be overqualified for this job. And I said that as a compliment. Wow, I feel kind of intimidated. Um, anyway, we've covered a lot today. We have to cover one more thing. As you know, we wrap up each and every show by giving Anthony Jimenez an Emmy Award. No, he already has them all. By throwing a dart. Let's go to the Skycam. I haven't done any quick sidebars today. I'll get more tomorrow. Go to the Skycam. We have a real dartboard over here. I gotta step over the basketballs. I gotta step around the Peloton. I will throw a single dart. I'll I'll give myself a backup dart in case I completely miss the target. Whatever top, whatever number it lands on, there is a corresponding topic and uh, we will go and I will talk about that. I'm still shaken. I think I'm rattled and intimidated by Anthony. Um, here we go. If, if it's one, it's the most random jersey you own. There's the whole list. Infinite loop, as we say it, like an M.C. Escher painting. The number that hits today on the Tuesday show, September 13th, 2022, is fastball. Oh, my God. I almost hit the bullseye for the first time, but I missed. No, I missed. That is technically, Mike Flynn, a 16. We got a 16 in here. What shall I discuss as I go on a little run? Well, that's the easiest question ever. All right, let's go for a little walk. We have to say goodbye. I always think if you're only listening to the audio portion of this program, how dare you? This part must be so strange for you. Because if you're just listening, I'm now holding the phone up to my face, Blair Witch Project style. I'm walking around the basement, and I'm going to go over to the Peloton. I'm going to get myself a little ride in, which I continue after the show. It must sound so strange. Please join us on YouTube. Please, you get to see Anthony Jimenez's Emmys. You can only hear about them in the pawn shop that he bought them at if you're listening on the podcast. So, anyway, more importantly, three best fan bases. Um, okay. First of all, I think you got to start with the obvious, and that's the Cleveland Browns because they got Brownie the Elf as their logo, and they batted, they, they voted him in. Secondly, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks because they just booed the bejesus out of Russell Wilson. Likes that. Screw it. Why would they boo Russell Wilson? Why would they do that? Because he's on the other team, dummies. That's why. And, you know, because he should have given them two Super Bowls and had the worst choke play in history and getting one stale and stolen from them. And because, you know, a lot of people don't like Russell Wilson. I don't know if it's blasphemous to say that. Did you see the tweets from all his ex-teammates? All the, like, little snarky gifts when he lost? I don't know. A lot of people like him. A lot of people don't like him. Seattle decided, eh, get the hell out of here. We're going to boo you. And uh, the third... Best fan base in the NFL. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna zag here. I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Browns fans for Brownie the Elf. Brownie the Elf, who is now I think my favorite Cleveland Brown of all time. I'm sorry, uh, Seneca Wallace and Josh Cribbs, but uh, you've had a great run, and it's now Brownie the Elf and his fudge stripe cookies as the Browns have their home opener. I'm so glad you came to our house. I'm so glad Josh Allen came to the basement. We'll be back next week. Uh, Bills fans, I know you're in here. I love you, every other fan base. Browns fans, turns out I love you too. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm sucking wind. Uh, watch out for tonight. The, um, the Oscars, the Grammys, the uh, Tonys will all be won by Anthony Jimenez. He's got one of those EGOT guys like John Legend. That's it. We're out of here. See you tomorrow from the basement.